Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. This episode's guest is Benjamin, GM of Lawful Great Adventures, a first edition Pathfinder actual play podcast. Benjamin and I chat about what he'd go back and change if he could when starting a TTRPG podcast, as well as what makes each show unique and engaging for listeners. The world he's built is amazingly rich and full of interesting characters and ideas, and the show is very well produced. At the end of the episode, he shared a clip for everyone to enjoy, so stay tuned. Hey everybody, my name's Benjamin. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TTBenjamin1. Um, I, uh, whew, how I got started, right? Uh, so I'm the DM for the Lawful Great Adventures podcast. Uh, I also do a little bit of role play streaming uh, on the side. Uh, very, very busy. You can find me on Twitter basically 24 hours a day. I never sleep. Um, I got into tabletop role playing at the, uh, the ripe young age of 13 years old um, on... IRC on internet relay chat, uh, which was very dangerous because I was 13 years old and unsupervised and could have ended up in all sorts of unseemly places, but instead landed like in a role-playing collective. Totally homebrew. It was not Dungeons and Dragons. It was all bot assisted. Like someone like coded a bot that ran the entire system. And it was uh it was all anime. Based. It was all it was all uh, uh, just like the the weebiest stuff. I had no idea. I didn't I didn't watch anime. I just I was just having a good time playing along. Played with that group for about three years before they finally everyone kind of parted their ways. And then uh, I've been hopping from D and D game to D and D game ever since. It's been about twenty three years now since that fateful day that I stumbled on a random RPG channel in unregulated early internet days oh man yeah for for the younger listeners out there it was it was an interesting place that that none of you will ever get to experience this was still in the um in like the wild west days of the internet so everything was legal because no one was watching and there was some really bad stuff going around there i could have had all sorts of opportunities to be corrupted and instead i just uh turned into a big old nerd hey that, that that's what we like to hear <laughs> So when did you decide to take the move from playing to back behind the screen running your own game? Uh, that was also on the online thing. I was like super young, like 14 years old, maybe. That was mm. also, that was all part of this like online thing. I was hot garbage. I was quite terrible, unbelievably awful. Had just like wild, vivid ideas in my head, but absolutely no, um, none of the tools required to get them out in front of people uh, in a way that that could be described as fun or entertaining. So it was it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, I'm still I'm still friends with a couple of people from that original group, and uh, and I admire their unbelievable patience. It was a long journey to the point where I was actually able to run like a suitable game. What were some of your mistakes that you made? I see every young DM do this, so mm-hmm. um, this will this is this is a really great thing. You got great ideas, you got like great characters or great moments or great images in your head. And you as the as the DM or the GM or the storyteller, impress your will upon the world and try to concoct the exact situation where that will happen. 
completely disregarding player agency. That was me. Yep. I was basically just telling a story and and they were just sort of like going along with it. It was quite bad. I also had a bad habit of killing them a lot. That was stupid. But then, I, but then they like weren't dead. Oh man, I'm kind of cringing. Woo! But you gotta start somewhere, right? Yeah, you do. You do, and you gotta you gotta hack through. You gotta hack through the bad stuff to get to the good stuff, and you gotta keep like it's all about repetition. You just gotta keep mm-hmm. doing it and doing it and doing it, and eventually, once you're ready to start focusing on improvement, you will you will get better if your attention is is put on becoming better. It'll happen. It was just uh, no no player agency, nothing to generate player interest. It was it was uh, indulgent to me, and um, I grew out of that. Oh, probably around uh, eighteen or nineteen. So if you'll imagine, you know, there's some DMs out there. They're like, ah, oh, it's my first year DMing, and I'm doing this, this, and this, and I'm like, you're already way better than I was. Uh, uh, it took me about six years to get to your point, so you're doing better than me. Yeah, it, it sometimes warms your heart to see how far advanced some people are compared to you. Yeah, right? yeah. I know my first game went just about the same way, right? I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. We're going to do this, then this, then this. And of course, none of it happened. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and 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 what's great about, I mean, even there, like your first game, I'm, we're going to do XYZ thing. And then none of it happened is way better than me, where we're going to do XYZ thing. And then I made XYZ thing happen. Like I made sure it happened exactly the way that I had written the script in my brain. Yeah, just forcing that square peg into the round hole. Had to had to be that. I didn't care who was playing. It was it was my way or the highway. It's a common theme, right? Like you said, you see it all the time, and everyone jumps in, and that's what they think it is until they realize, oh, it is not this. So, no, it, you, you got to start somewhere. Like I said, moving along to kind of your experience running the games, then what have been some of your favorite encounters you've thrown at your parties? It could be in any game. It could be, you know, monsters, NPCs, role-playing encounters, just stuff that's really memorable and has been really fun for you and for your group. Probably the one that we talk about the most, and it's not necessarily an encounter, but what Mm -hmm. it is, is it was an in, it was an in-campaign one-shot that I ran because someone was missing. And basically what was going on in the main story is there was this big siege happening. There was this big battle, uh, like a battle of five armies level, like huge climactic thing. Literally someone was like, oh yeah, um, I, I, I can't make the session where the big thing happens. And I'm like, well, I guess we, I guess we can't do that this week. And everyone's was like, I want to play. I want to play. I'm like, I got an idea. So throughout the campaign, the party had run in with these um, elite, like, magical special forces called dragoons who like were wyvern riders and were like made like total gish like magic magic and martial combined like super super cool and so i was like all right show up just bring your dice you're not going to play your characters tonight i'm just going to hand you the character sheets and uh you'll you'll see what we do it's going to be fun you guys so they show up and i hand them uh i hand one of them uh the knight i hand one of them the bishop and i hand one of them the rook and I hand uh, one of them the king. And they're like, what are these? And then they start looking at them and they're like, oh, are we playing dragoons? Is this a dragoon one shot? They go through this like side battle uh, on the backdrop of the NPC thing. And one of them is one of them is like a cleric paladin. And one of them is like a rogue fighter. And one of them is like a magus something. I can't remember. And one of them is a ranger that literally rides on the back of a wyvern, like plunking arrows down into the crowd. Really, really a lot of fun. And they got into it. 
it was very like uh, uh, Warhammer, like Dawn of War. They're like shouting for the Emperor and like all this other stuff because they're like decked down in armor and doing like power jumps and and all this like really really intense. They're just like really really super descriptive and getting super campy with it. And then uh, at the end of this little one shot that I, it was probably about three or four hours long. At the end of this one shot, they kill a. I guess I would describe him as a major side NPC that the part that the main party had had some run-ins with. So they're like, oh, "Is that who I think it is? Is that Taryn Distrake? Is that like, oh, uh, is he gonna kill all of us? Is that how this ends?" And then no, they kill him, and they're like, "Oh, we killed him! That's how the guy dies." That uh, uh, that's the one that I always look back on fondly. Um, and so whenever someone is sick. I have uh, someone from that original campaign that I play with, and he'll always get a glint in his eyes, and he'll be like, so can we, are we going to play Dragoons again? Are we going to do that again? <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I love the idea of taking your one-shots that you run here and there and actually putting them into your main story, but but just different groups. Like, why not? You know, that's, uh, that's such a good idea. So yeah. I'm definitely stealing that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Everything. Any anyone listening, uh, steal all my ideas. Um, don't even give me credit. I don't care. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, all my one shots. Pretty much always. I try to do. Ever since that, I try to do them. If it's a one shot that's like interrupting a campaign, I try to do them in universe. I try to do them as part of the continuity because what it does is it grows the world. It makes the world bigger. It makes the experiences that the player characters are having. Uh, much larger and more profound. Like they're at the center of this important thing that's happening. And here are these other very important, very powerful people who are literally just in its orbit. It, it makes what they do feel more heroic. Yeah, I love that. That's really cool. You mentioned that you're the GM of a podcast, which is a group of you all playing Pathfinder first edition, right? Yeah. Listen to some episodes in preparation for this uh, recording and I got to say, like you mentioned in the first episode that there were some issues with recording and then, you know, COVID hit and there were some more like just kind of getting used to things. But on the an overall view, it was super well produced. I can tell you put a ton of time into the lore, into the world building. You know, you thought a lot about the story that you wanted to tell. You even gave your your players very specific instructions, kind of like parameters when they started. So how did you kind of decide on this style of game to run? You know, when, when did that come to you? And then just tell us a little bit about your world, how it came to be, and what you love most about it. Yeah. Getting into uh, launching the program Lawful Great Adventures came out of a combination of things. So for a while, I was running a home game called Jorik and the Dragon that uh, a lot of my a lot of my peeps liked. I, really, I actually want to go back and record that one day. It was uh, just a total blast. It was really, really fun. I have a. I, I think we were talking sort of in the green room. I have a tendency to get down into the into the uh, get down underwater and not come up for air. So I have a bit of a burnout problem um, when I get really deep into like a game, and I also get busy with my real life. So I hit the burnout wall and just axed the game. Like we literally went from like, oh yeah, we're having regular sections, things are going well, to like I sit everybody down. I'm like, I'm not running this anymore. I'm super tired. I can't do it. And they're just like, what are we gonna do? I'm like, not play. Bye. It was sad. Uh, we were we were we were all very sad. But uh, one of the players from that campaign, um, for about two years, begged me to pick up the mantle again. And it was right around the time that I was getting into uh, your adventures zone and your dimensions twenty that he he approached me again because we were talking about Taz, talking about dimension twenty, and he was like, "Oh, well, have you thought about DMing again? It's been a couple of years." And I'm like you know what? Uh, I would totally do it again on one condition. Uh, we record it and, and we have a go. We, we see what this, we'll see, we see how this goes. We see what this scene's like. 
From there, I did my usual process of finding the right table where I very carefully vet you know, people from among my friends or from referrals or whatever. I'm very into table chemistry. Like I want to make sure that that it's the right group of people and everyone's going to have a good time and everyone is going to get along very well. And there's not yep. going to be anyone that is, uh, you know, problematic. And because yep. um, I want it to be a safe space because I, I, I want people to feel okay being a little bit vulnerable and uh, or whatever else. It, it's got to be like super safe. So I'm, I'm really cautious with building my tables. And so I got the right people together and I'm like, well, we're just going to run Pathfinder because I still have all the books. Oh yeah, by the way, everyone, uh, I'm, I'm doing this uh, low prep. And they're like, what's that mean? I'm like, uh, if I spend more than a half an hour prepping uh, a week, uh, it's too much. So, <laughs> and they're like, how are we yeah. going to do that? I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to rock it off the dome is, what, is how we're going to do it. I'm going to make it up as we go along. And well, the other side of the agreement, of course, is I said, the deal is, you know, since I'm running low prep, you, the players need to take command of the narrative or you need to grab the wheel literally every opportunity that you get. And they were like, oh, that actually sounds really fun. I'm like, yes, we're in. That's kind of how we, we, we started it conceptually. And then the concept that I wanted to pursue in Lawful Great Adventures, using a world that I've kind of been working on quietly in the side, was I wanted to tell a, a journey story. I wanted to tell a point A to point B story and everything that sort of happens along the way. And I didn't want it to be, you start at A and you go to B. I wanted it to be, you start at the end and go back to the beginning. So I wanted uh, 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 an odyssey, basically, uh, a, yeah. a journey a journey home instead of a journey towards Mount Doom. Mm -hmm. And they were like totally down with that. And then we kind of came up with this idea, like, okay, they're all going to be small farm town friends. They're all like, the characters are all going to be teenagers from the same hometown. We're going to spend some time getting to know the hometown. And then I'm going to whisk them away somehow magically. And then the, the whole point of the game, no matter what else happens, is as long as they keep walking east, they're doing the right thing. Uh, what that did was that gave me a very predictable set of parameters to sort of plan ahead as they're going very quickly to help my improvisation, gave them a very clear goal that they had to head towards, and also gave them enough freedom that they could take whatever path they felt like. So they could pursue along their journey whatever jumped out at them and interested them at the time. And as part of that, they've gotten embroiled in massive political complications. They got roped into some tomfoolery with an oracle. They're trying to lift a, a thousand-year conspiracy and all sorts of other stuff. The dynamic between the characters, the chemistry of them already beginning as, as, as friends initially meant they could have chemistry out the gate. And then the characters could all grow together along the journey. And that's been my, my favorite part of the experience has been watching the characters grow together as individuals and as a group, watching the individual dynamics change between each of the main characters and watching each of the main characters sort of like pick up neuroses or obsessions or bad experiences or or fears or things that they're just like really obsessed with or, or that kind of thing. And that's been really cool. That's what I've really enjoyed. Yeah, I was going to actually say it reminded me of these great journey stories like the Odyssey and that kind of thing. So I think it's a very underrepresented genre in tabletop role-playing games in general, just because, like you said, it's always about the journey to Mount Doom or to, you know, wherever the big bad evil guy is is waiting to, to you know, destroy the world or whatever it is. So it's I love how you kind of flipped it on its head, but you're using classical literature examples as uh, kind of the the blueprint. So it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it, it, I think I feel like it keeps it grounded too. 
a lot of the stories that you see in in the role playing genre, like in in D and D and stuff, they are big. They're big, grand epics, and um, and that's it, that's cool. I dig that stuff. Um, I really I do enjoy that stuff. Your classic good versus evil kind of kind of thing. But I also in my head, I'm like, I like telling way different stories. I like telling. I like everything ground level, and I like it small as as small as possible, so that the big moments are gigantic and that's and and i've and that's kind of what i've been able to feel in in this game uh running it and listening to it i you know because i have to listen to it and it's it's very slow paced it's kind of it kind of it just kind of goes at whatever pace it feels like so there will be sessions and sessions you know there will be a few sessions in a row where it's just kind of small stuff small stuff small stuff uh, a little bubble up here a little bubble up here and then all of a sudden massive upheaval of whatever was going on and then it's panic mode that's very satisfying yeah, that's uh, also a great point. I feel like sometimes dungeon masters and game masters get caught in the trap of ever escalating stakes. You know, oh well, now it's now it's bigger and badder this time. It can kind of minimize the effect that you're wanting to have. So to your point, the the kind of like smaller stuff, and then all of a sudden, you know, big stuff, big stakes. That that really does emphasize those uh, in in their experiences. So absolutely, you know, the rising action, climax, falling action story structure is very important and i feel like a lot of times dms forget the falling action part and then the the going back into the rising action part like that is the wave that we ride narratively and it is tried and true um and it's very effective those moments in between the climaxes give the characters and the story time to breathe and and it gives them time to change and reflect and the act of changing as your character develops across their journey that is the thing that sticks with you more than that dragon encounter that was like super, super difficult. And the the GM threw all sorts of like nonsense at us. Like, no, no, no. Do you remember how, you know, Warren began as like this little kid with a chemistry set and then ended as like a zealous religion obsessed paladin? Like how, how did he get there? You know, that's, that's the, that's the kind of stuff that I like. Yeah. The hero's journey. You alluded to the fact that for Lawful Great, you wanted to do as little prep as possible would you say that's kind of a hallmark of your GMing style or is this maybe a departure from your usual and you wanted to focus more on on the uh, role playing and allowing your players to direct things from here? Yeah, um, this is this is a total departure. This is my first time doing like a true low prep. I actually the campaign before the Stork and the Dragon was Skyrim level prep. Um, mm. What I had done is I had basically created and seeded an entire like mountain with like multiple sections. It was very big. It was very complex, but the players could go literally in any direction and there would be something there and I would have already built it. And that was actually kind of cool. I'd love to revisit that style again because it did lead to some very, very really cool things and some and some storylines emerged out of that that I wouldn't be able to do in the style that I'm doing now. This style is a solution to sort of two problems that I was facing. One of them was the fact that um, committing to a weekly game with the intensity of, of sort of my schedule and my lifestyle was very daunting if I actually did a lot of prep. In my head, I'm like, well, I could, like, if I can just sit down at a table and just play, that's not energy. That does not cost me energy. But if I have to sit and, like, spend half my day off doing a bunch of really complicated prep, and making sure that everything is in the right place, that's, you know, that's work. I'm going to hit that burnout wall again. So uh, then the other thing was, okay, if this is going to be a podcast, if we're going to record this, then 
the people listen to the podcast for the players. They listen to it for the characters. And and yeah, I understand that there are podcasts that have very good DMs and people like to listen to the DMs. But really, the hook of any one of these actual play podcasts is the characters. So the other side of the problem was, okay, how do I bring the characters to the forefront? Well, I personally, me, I have to actually change the power dynamic at the table. I have to leave myself as unprepared as possible so that they can surprise me, so that they can control what's happening at the table at any given time based on what I throw at them. So that's kind of how we designed it. What, what it basically is, is, is there's a sense of um, give and take. I spend more time reacting to player actions than they spend dealing with whatever problems I throw in front of them. The most recent arc has been a lot of me sort of controlling the situation because they're in a very dangerous, very deadly, very alien place. So I've been more in control. But uh, previous, I mean, the previous Jiminy Christmas, probably 58 episodes prior to this segment, I, I, I try to take my hand off the wheel as much as possible and just give them interesting things, create interesting problems, and then let them kind of loose on them. I call it a... a uh, what, I've, what I've been explaining it to them because they always look for like, okay, what is the solution? I'll be like, hey, y'all, I just set up the chessboard. You you make the next move. You figure it out. That's such a pro tip is think of scenarios, but don't think of solutions because your players are going to surprise you. They're never going to think of the thing that you thought of. And so it's way more fun to just sit there and, and see what they figure out. See what weird magic item you gave them a few months ago that solves the problem. What random thing they come up with and they're like, this is what we're going to do. And you're like, that is so cool. I would never have thought of it. And I don't know. That's one of my favorite parts of being a DM is just watching it oh, happen yeah. right in front of you. My, uh, yeah. Uh, here's, your, here's your DM pro tip. All of the magic items that they get from levels one to three should be weird, wondrous magical items and like quirky potions that have incidental use only uh, so that those can all start coming back between levels six, six and 12 when they come yep. up with wild solutions to problems. <laughs> yep. oh, I love that so much. You started the show, was it January or February of 2020, like actually recording? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, we so... started we started recording in October of 2019. Um, oh, okay. And we recorded 10 episodes before we launched in February. So yeah, that's when you started releasing stuff. So you had a few recorded at that point, but the pandemic hits. What did you have to do with your players, with yourself to figure it out? Like, I, I guess, what were the conversations like and how did you eventually solve the problem and continue releasing episodes and continue uh, playing? So it was very fortunate that we had 10 episodes out the gate. Um, it was very fortunate that we had a weekly release schedule. So by the time the pandemic hit, I think we were already, uh, oh man, episode 18 or 19, which was pretty good runtime. Uh, I mean, the story was like just still kind of just getting started, really slow moving. I cannot emphasize this enough. Very slow moving show. It was at the point where everyone was locked down and it was like a whole thing that uh, I think we probably took a couple of weeks off during the peak of the lockdown because we just didn't know what to do. And then yeah. um, we just we we just went remote. Um, I hopped on the old discord and um, we got the uh, uh, we got a Craig bot, you know, the, the recording thing. And we yep. just kept going with the campaign. We kept doing it remotely. Um, you know, we had the video screens on. And the transition wasn't that bad. I could tell that it wasn't as good. Like the soul of LGA is at the table. Like there is there is an energy at the table when we're playing that is unmatched. We, we just can't do it. We played remotely for probably three months, I think. Quite a while. 
And because the way I run the game is low prep, that also means uh, the only way that we can run battles is theater of the mind. Because I'm not going to set up battle mats. I'm not going to do that. I'm trying not to prep. I'm trying not to do anything here. I'm going <laughs> to like, hang out on my day off all day Wednesday. And then at like 4 o'clock, two hours before everyone shows up, like be like, oh, that's right. I have to do this game tonight. I guess this is going to happen next. I mean, I'm a little bit better than that. But I need to be able to put the game away so that I, when I come back to it, it's like, yes, let's go. So it's all theater of the mind. So really, the, the only difference was there was a lag between us talking. We were sitting in the comfort of our own homes, own homes. So we did that all the way until about the fall. And when the fall hit, the cases were dropping significantly. And so we got back around the table because we were all like, we kind of all did the, uh, the contact tracing check. And we're like, oh, yeah, none of us are really going out anywhere. So we feel safe with just the five of us getting back at the table. And then the cases went up right around the holidays. So we went remote again. We got back around the table right around episode 45, which is where I think you may have started listening. Um, let's see, uh, the, the Two Keys dual episode, somewhere in there. That was that was our first ba- episode back live. And then we've been able to stay live ever since. It's kind of funny. There are some shows that started pre-pandemic and had to figure it out, but a lot of them have just cropped up since then. It's like everyone's got all this time. They're sitting at home with nothing to do. Why not start a, a podcast, you know? So, I, I mean, that's kind of how I started too, I guess. It's been fun to see the creativity that comes out of less than ideal circumstances. Well, and I think um, I'm wondering if there's going to be, I think, yeah, a lot of people did them like over discords um, and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And and some of them maybe were already playing via Roll20 or had discord games. So they were already used to the medium. That's really cool. Streaming really took off, in my opinion, um, because people were used to all these battle map software tools anyway. And now they had tons of time on their hands. So uh, uh, role play streaming is is um, gotten bigger, which I think is super, super cool. Um, I think there's going to be another spike of actual plays now that people can go back to the table and they're going to be the live ones. And that's yep. I'm really excited for those because I like the energy of those live plays. Me too. Me too. I'm firmly in the at the table camp as opposed to virtual. And I know some people love virtual, but yeah, it's just like you said, I love the energy. I just like the the feel more when when you're all around the table together. If you could go back to yourself pre-podcast, knowing what you know now, what would your advice be? What would you change and what would you keep the same? I try not to dwell on lessons learned. I, I, I obviously have a lot of what ifs. What if we had done a different system? I thought about after we launched, maybe trying 5e instead, because I noticed that every, like all the big podcasts were using 5e. And I'm like, nah, Pathfinder fits this thing. I don't want to move. I thought about like, so there's what ifs. Like, what if we had done it under a different system? What if we had done it this way? What if we had done it that way? And they've all kind of come around to like, you know what? I'll just next time, next time I, when I, when I launch my next actual play, whatever that is, who knows? And however long away that one is, I'll take all those lessons. I'll pile them into that one. I do have one regret, two regrets, actually. Two and a half regrets. I have two and a half regrets. Um, the, <laughs> the first regret is backlogging 10 episodes without launching because I learned so much in the next two or three episodes after launch that if I would have backlogged like four, if I had made the four, if I had made the prologue like four episodes, or if I had only launched half the prologue, four or five episodes, that would have made the end of those first 10 episodes so much better, in my opinion, because I, I just learned so much when I when I dove into the community. Instead, I, I came at 
big, big backlog, big 10 episode backlog. Hey, we're launching, check it out. 10 episodes, go binge it. I think that was cool. I think it, I think it worked to an extent, but I think the product, like the end product would be, would have been better if I had only logged like three or four. So that's like a tiny regret, but I still look back at it. Ah, the other regret. And this is the one and a half regrets. I wish I would have gotten my really nice recording system before long, before before starting the thing because the first like three episodes are on like a not great recording system and then I got a really good recording system and that's when the sound gets better but like those first few episodes are your first impression so like people don't start actual plays from like episode 51 they don't start it from the most recent recap episode they started from the beginning and so and unfortunately in the in the case for most actual plays like that's your worst episode that episode is you're gonna be your worst one now most listeners to their credit will give you three to five episodes to um get your act together which is why i if i would have only if i would have done three learned my lessons i would have hit the, the five episodes and, and and um so but like uh, so you know i look at the metrics and i know i love my show i'm very proud of it i know it's very good but I also see like a huge listener drop off after those first few episodes. I'm like, I know exactly what that is. If I would have done a better product out the gate, I, that that drop off wouldn't be happening. So then the other half of my one and a half regrets is I didn't go back and re-record the first episode because the first episode was kind was all was almost a tech test. And if I was going to do a tech test episode, I shouldn't have made it canon. I should have. I should. We should have just done something else as the tech test and then launched the first episode when we had all the kinks out. So the first episode is, is just like the sound is, is, is messed up because I had to do just so much editing to get it into like, into the listenable place. Cause it's just, um, it's just a dog of an episode. Here I am trashing my own pot. Lawful great adventures, everyone go give it a listen, skip the first episode. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I go back and listen to the first episode and like every, like the sound quality is not great. Episode's really good. It's a really good episode. You, you you meet the characters right away. You you learn like exactly who they are. You meet members of their families. You get the they get sent on a very interesting mission. They go on a very interesting side quest, and they meet a fan favorite NPC at the very end of that first episode. So I can't get rid of it because it's too good. It's just the sound sucks. So like in my head, I'm like, we should have re-recorded it. We should have should have re-recorded it, and uh, I should have done it. I should have gone back and re-recorded it. Too late now. I would I would. I would never, I would never go back. It's been, it's been uh, a year and a half. <laughs> it wouldn't work. I mean, you could, you could certainly try, I guess. I you could certainly actually... try. Exactly. <laughs> I think everyone's podcast is like this, right? Your first episode obviously has the most streams and then it just kind of tails off, but that's great advice. And it's such a conundrum. Like you said, it's important and you have to have a first episode but also it's always the first time that you've done it. And so who knows how well it's going to go, but that's yeah. an interesting thought to, to do a couple of test runs, co- like test episodes to see how it's working, fix the kinks and stuff. And then you get into the meat and potatoes of the story you're trying to tell. Here's, here's the problem with that though. There's a downside to that too. So I'm on another show. We did exactly that. We did test runs in Canon, full tech test episodes. So we wanted to feel out the characters. We wanted to do this. We wanted to do that. And they were awesome. And they're gone. Mm. <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> and it makes me so sad because they were actually really, really good. So like there's, there's, a, there's a give and a take to it, unfortunately. No right answer. The, the, the real, the real, I mean, if, if you just want to focus on like the sound stuff, what you should do, I think if you're looking at doing a live play and you're doing it around the table, here's what I would do. If I could go back and do it again, uh, the tech test, we would, we would just play a freaking board game that involves a lot of talking. 
we that's what that's what we should have done. We should have set the microphones up. Everyone sits down and we just play a board game and everyone talks a lot. And then we see what that's like. And then we imagine or if we, and we imagine if we were like maybe I don't know, you play Monopoly and you try to role play through it, you know, something like that. So you can get the feeling of the of the way the voices move and then you can go back and fix what needs to be fixed. Like one of the biggest fixes that uh, that I did isn't an editing fix. It's actually a table discipline fix. We are very careful. Uh, I call them radio rules. Um, we have uh, hand signals that we use at the table to indicate when someone is trying to continue with thought and doesn't want to be interrupted, when someone wants to jump in next and that kind of thing. And we have sort of a rule like don't fill silence. Let the silence just live there. Because I one button and, and all the silence gets gotten rid of, right? The magic of truncate silence. So that's what I told them. Like, don't try to hum and haw your way through silences. Don't try to like apologize for being quiet. You can sit for five straight minutes thinking of what you want to say next, and it's gone in the exact same amount of time as five seconds. And when we started getting used to that dynamic, everything got a million times better. That's yeah. a great idea because it's not streaming and you're not worried about everyone seeing you and stuff. The hand signals, sweet. What? are your parting words of wisdom for new and aspiring dms and gms you know what what are like the the main things that you would tell them to help them get started uh i, I feel like i've kind of dumped all the wisdom that i have about podcasting other than just be consistent right you need to you need to set a schedule and you just need to do it you need to release consistently you need to post consistently you need to record consistently you need to edit consistently like you just it it has to be regular or your audience is not is going to get whiplash and they're going to stop listening that's just how it is for the for the actual just like getting into the game or getting into dming or whatever you got to find a table that you feel safe at and that might not be a table full of your best friends you got to know what kind of experience you want and you got to find a table that is going to make you feel safe while you're having that experience when I'm DMing, I want my narrative to be taken at least fairly seriously, right? And and not that not that it's like grim dark and I need everyone to be like super melodramatic, but I just want them to not break the immersion because when I'm DMing, I want to immerse. I want to I want to I want to get in and I just want to stay in there. I want to mm -hmm. be in the other world for a while. I want to play at tables that don't pop my bubble intentionally, that don't try to disrupt the game with antics that are characters that do antics are great players that do antics that are anachronous to to what's going on to the real to the you know pseudo reality of the situation that is that pulls me out of it that makes it less fun for me and so when i'm dming i want to i want to dig in and i want to enjoy myself as a player i like honestly i like bring in some antics. So usually the like, so as a DM, I gravitate towards players that also enjoy the immersive aspect. As a player, I gravitate towards DMs that let me mess around. I don't know what it is, but that's just, that's just <laughs> how I do it. But, um, you know, you have to identify, you have to identify the experience that you want to have. And, um, and then you need to find the people that are going to make you safe uh, uh, while you're having that experience, um, because there's probably going to be a little bit of vulnerability there. And good God, do you not want to make yourself vulnerable? And then someone like goes after you for it. That sucks. That's a really, that's a really bad feeling. So I, and I, and I don't necessarily think that there's a perfect formula for finding that other than just saying like, this is what I want out of the game that I'm playing and I want to play with people that also want to have that. That's what I did with LGA. 
And it's my longest running campaign. It's the campaign that I'm way the most satisfied ever in my life. And, um, and it's, and it's brought in a group of people, both friends in the podcast community, but also like fans, we have fans. I never thought I would ever have a fan in my life, but we have fans and they hit me up on Twitter and they're like, Oh my God, you like this happened. I can't believe it. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. What I did there. Amazing. I totally planned. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) It's all the script. Because I was I was direct with my players about like, hey, look, this is the exact kind of experience that I want to have here. And if you want, if you think that's a fun experience to have, if you think that's going to be really cool and you want to be a part of that, let's do it. If you don't, how about like, you know, we'll be friends somewhere else. Right. We don't have to be friends. We don't have to be friends doing this. We can be friends somewhere else. You don't have to be at the table. I want to have this. And um, I also want to not have xyz things happen so that's if we can all agree that we're going to if that we're going to do that together and we all decide that we like it even as we go then that's then then it's then it's going to be much better it's going to be very healthy and we're all going to be able to be very honest and uh uh, vulnerable and have and we're going to be able to experience at the table the way we want to experience and not feel weird about it afterward and not feel like i don't know uncomfortable or you get like post-game anxiety i don't get any of that you know because i feel safe so if you're wanting yeah. to get into the game, if you're wanting to get into the game, uh, uh, safety first, kids, put on your reflector belts and your helmets. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's funny. You mentioned that you're uh, you you when you DM, you want it to be more serious, and you don't like the anachronistic stuff and the the antic stuff. But then when you're a player, you do because I'm <laughs> kind of the same way. I know. <laughs> well, I think it, I mean I D I DM way more than I play. Always have. Yeah. And yeah. so you know when I'm DMing, like playing for me is like cutting loose, right? It's like like teacher on their day off. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm having a beach party when I'm a player. Um, you know. And that being said, like I like DMing anachronistic groups when we agree on that. Yep, it's the same when when I've done one shots and stuff that are supposed to be like that. Yeah, that's exactly the the you know as a DM I can match that energy and and do it. But yeah, if it's like a, a home game that I'm wanting to have some kind of satisfying ending, I I do just like it to be a little bit more serious. Yeah, so yeah, maybe it's because it's like your your thing, and you're like, well, and, and obviously it's not like my story I'm trying to tell. We already talked about that, right? Don't do that. But you know, it's your experience you're trying to curate, uh-huh. and you want it to be. A certain way. Here we are at the end. Let us know what projects you're working on, where people can find you online, any other things you want to shout out, podcasts, live streams, everything. So uh, obviously the topic of the night is my primary project is the Lawful Great Adventures podcast, uh, of which I'm the DM, editor, producer, etc. And that is a journey story about four small town friends on a long walk home uh, in a fantasy world. We are at the very tail end at the time of this recording of the first full campaign. Um, I'm thinking it's probably going to wrap up at about, I think I, I'm pretty sure it's going to end on episode 69 based on what I think the, the timeline looks like, which is cool because of, of one reason, but also because uh, that's when Adventure Zone campaign one uh, ended. And so it's sort of an homage. And so we just recorded episode 65. So there's about a month left of recording this campaign that we have been living in for like a year and a half. And so that's, that's going to be huge. It's going to be a lot of fireworks, a lot of tears. Um, the journey there is amazing. You still have time to catch up if you really start binging now. We do recaps on the ones. So every 10th uh, episode ending in a one, I do a full 
story recap. So if you don't want to try to slog through the whole thing, just go back to the most recent 41 or 51 or whatever and start from there. You'll 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 catch on very quickly. I do smaller recaps every episode. Like you, you're not going to miss much. It's going to be okay. You're not going to miss more more than the players do. So yeah, that's Lawful Great Adventures. Uh, you can find it pretty much on any podcast thing. The episodes run from between an hour and 15 and an hour and 40 minutes, uh, which is a pretty reasonable runtime for an AP. Some of them are shorter and then some of them are longer, like Critical Role. A lot of people like it. It's immersive. It's narrative. We didn't even talk about some of the details of like the lore of the campaign world, but a lot of people are like, man, this lore is super cool. And I think it is because I made it. Some of my other projects, I play Jaber Valjean on uh, Shared Experiences uh, Star Wars actual play podcast, Ripples in the Gray. That is a Twitch stream, baby. Uh, so I am, uh, I play the, uh, I play the fast talking, super naive youth, uh, wunderkind pilot of basically a pirate freighter, of a bounty hunting freighter. That's a lot of fun. That features some really, really cool people. Uh, Lion from Lionhead Gaming. We've got Wolf's Blood from the Shared Experience Network. Babs the Bat from uh, Chaotic Tiefling. And Ray Mayhem. That's a, that's a lot of fun. That's every Tuesday. I am also part of the Roll for Chaos stream Sparrows, which is also a space pirate adventure, um, using the Aether and Steamworks system. If you've never heard of Aether and Steamworks, it is a, it's a D20 light system. It is very cool. It is um, space age steampunk is the best way I can describe it. Uh, the system is amazingly fun. Really, really super flexible. And the guy running the Twitch stream is Ty Burris himself, the guy who wrote the game. So I get to I get to be on this uh, this stream with this, and he's an incredible GM. I can't emphasize this enough. An unbelievable GM with the guy that created the game. Um, uh, a lot of fun. I play Red Iron, a, uh, a a kobold that thinks machines are people and that people are dumb. And socials for your show and for yourself. Uh, on Twitter at TTBenjamin1. You can find uh, Lawful Great Adventures at great underscore lawful on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Lawful Great Adventures, and um, Instagram at Lawful Great Adventures. The podcast can be found pretty much anywhere where you can find podcasts. We're hosted by Spreaker, who pushes it out to everywhere so i mean it's it's impossible not to find awesome well thanks a ton for joining me benjamin it's been a lot of fun chatting with you you've got a lot of fun energy and i have really enjoyed listening to your show i know you put a ton of work into it so everyone go check out lawful great adventures really excited for whatever you start working on next thanks a lot uh real pleasure coming on this show a lot of fun i love doing these uh, i think you're a terrific host this has been a blast thank you Thanks for joining me on How Not to DM. A couple of announcements. If you enjoyed the show, take a couple of seconds right now while I'm talking to go give the show a review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Second, I'm really excited to announce my partnership with Adventure Dice. For 10% off your next dice purchase, head to adventuredice.ca and use my code HN, the number two, DM. They're based in Canada, so if you're a US listener, take advantage of that great exchange rate. Also, I wanted to share my first DM war story that got submitted. This one is coming from Dylan Goss, that's at StuffedRock on Twitter. And the story goes, I was GMing a Star Wars game set in the Old Republic era. It was a Republic-aligned party with one member being a former Imperial officer. He had been dismissed by and marked for dead because he posed as a human, but was discovered to actually be a Sarkai. He had a bounty on his head to prove it. What he didn't share with the party was that he had been saved by, and was subsequently working with, an up-and-coming Sith. As part of the Republic Task Force, he put down enemies of the Republic with brutal efficiency. 
He looked like a patriot and a good man who had simply been born in the wrong area of the galaxy. He made sure the party could not take even a single prisoner to be interrogated. When the party boarded the Sith flagship in the final session, he struck. He executed the crew of the party's ship, then threw a duffel bag full of plastic explosives into the center of their formation. The only survivor was the sniper, who surrendered immediately. His treachery saw him promoted to Moff immediately, and left scars on the Republic for decades to come. Thanks for submitting that one, Dylan. Do you have a really awesome or really terrible story from behind the screen? Click on DM War Story Submission in my link tree and tell me about it. I'll feature some of my favorites here. Now let's get to that clip Benjamin shared with us. Just a quick warning here, the clip contains adult language. Just want to make sure you're aware in case there are sensitive ears about. Enjoy! Let's remind ourselves where we've been. In our meeting with Felicity Cromwell, we let something slip. We let on that we were going to consecrate the bones of St. Brohias and give them a proper burial. Edema's greatest detective must have made the connection that we were planning to do this at the All Souls Day gathering at the Thick Branch in Clast. It is October 31st in the 47th passing of Hemiel in the Age of Kair. We have gathered a few dozen pious, Perot the importer, Ruth R. Gain, the sister of Corlysis, and the bones of St. Brohias for a ritual cleansing. As part of this cleansing, Theo has to send his consciousness into the shadow, while Warren sustains his connection via an incantation. But Killian Cannon has arrived, and he is assuredly not alone as the sounds of marching feet surround the thick branch. We just have to keep the fight up long enough for Theo to find the soul of St. Berthias in the shadow and then return. Or his mind may be shattered as he is trapped there forever. Finn, you are standing on the other side of the door, and you see behind you the strained eyes of Killian Cannon, and you've just asked him, did you come alone? And he answered, no. Fane, you're standing next to there. Perception check. Twelve. Why don't you give me one too, Finn? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Eighteen? Finn, you notice that the moment that he says no, you hear the ruffling of feet outside clearly mailed. Then you hear that, and you hear the heavy breathing of something large on the other side of the door. And apparently, whatever they've brought, they're having a really hard time controlling. What do you say? You son of a Yes, Fane. While he's talking to him, I want to go get Perot. Perot is standing back by the altar. I want to alert him to what's going on. Okay. Um, so Fane will run up uh, Perot, I know that this is very important, but Killian's at the door, and they have something with them. There's, like, an army coming. We are under attack? There, yeah. Okay. Um, Perot, I'm guessing there's, a like, a preordained, like, signal of, aside from the red flag. There is only one entrance oh. to this room, other than the windows. Like, jumping out the third-story windows. Okay. Here's what we'll do, then. He'll step... A little bit forward from the altar. Mm-hmm. Pious, we are under attack. We need you to defend the ritual. Please form a wall behind me. <laughs> so the pious, uh, they didn't bring a lot of weapons. Um, some people do have concealed daggers or, or whatever else. They start tearing the altars apart and making clubs and shields out of them mm-hmm. rapidly. Okay. Finn, you just called Killian a son of a bitch? Yeah. <laughs> 
this wasn't my choice. What do you mean it wasn't your goddamn choice? I begged to come first. I thought I thought if we could parlay, I could de-escalate the situation. Oh, really? So you're going to be Cousin Felicity's lapdog the rest of your goddamn life and do all her choices? Well. You got a choice right now. Turn around and leave. Take your army with you or fight with us. You know it's the honorable thing to do. You see Killian wince just a little bit when you say that, and then you hear a flint and tinderbox on the other side of the wall get sparked, and the hissing of a fuse. For what it's worth, Finn, I'm sp- Whew, quite the explosive ending there. Make sure to check out Lawful Great Adventures as they're almost wrapping up with their first season.